Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. Today, we're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry, along with some of our own considerations. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, please enjoy today's program. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are chapters of the Bible that are often quoted even by unbelievers because they are thought of as chapters containing marvelous ethical, even philosophical thought. But a careful examination reveals this portion of Scripture to be far beyond mere human philosophy or ethics. Those things, as well as the very best that man can muster, are scraped away by the narrow and constricted path leading to the kingdom of the heavens. Brother Ron Kangas has joined us once again as we continue to explore Matthew in these three well-known chapters. Welcome back, Ron. I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to contribute to this particular portion. It's meant a great deal to me. Uh, for the last few decades, actually. And it's a very precious and significant portion concerning taking the constricted way and doing the will of the Father and how this relates to the kingdom of the heavens. Well, today we come to the final segment of what we call the King's Decree of the Constitution of the Kingdom. And one point worth reviewing, I think, is that we have seen again and again that the picture given to us in these three chapters, 5, 6, and 7, is an expression of the nature of the kingdom people and not just an expression of the behavior of the kingdom people. How do these two things differ, Ron? By behavior, especially behavior that may be prompted by the attempt to carry out the decree uh, in these chapters, we mean actually an attempt to behave ethically or morally outwardly in a way that is not in keeping with what you really are inwardly, as opposed to just living out and expressing in your daily walk outwardly what you are inwardly. So if we think that we can just try to do these things by the natural human life, first I would say we are simply misled We're in darkness. We are utterly unable to do this. And the second thing is that if that's our attempt, then we're really missing the crucial revelation here. What is revealed in these chapters is based upon the life and nature of the kingdom people. And by this we mean the divine life and the divine nature. And yes, divine life and divine nature means the very life of God, and the very nature of God. The kingdom people have the divine life and the divine nature, the life of God and the nature of God through their regeneration, their divine birth, to be actual, generated children of God. So on the one hand, the constitution of the kingdom with all of its requirements, 
is something that can be fulfilled only by the divine life and nature within the kingdom people. And a very similar point, but still on the other hand, as we read these words with their seemingly, and I would say actual, impossibility for our natural life, we may wonder, how is it possible to live such a life, yet the Father requires it? Then this serves the purpose of opening up to us the tremendous potential of the divine life and nature within us. So put more simply, what is impossible for the natural human life comes automatically and spontaneously through the divine life. So we have to see that what's described here is a revelation of a kingly living that has its source in the life and nature of the kingdom people and that gives an opportunity for that life and nature to be manifested, expressed in our practical, actual, outward daily living. So we need to put together this picture with the crucial matters of divine life and divine nature. Well, just for the sake of those of us that have at one time or another thought that as long as I do my best to try to meet this standard, I'll be okay, the Lord has added two verses that really, in a sense, conclude this section. We're going to touch those today. Enter in through the narrow gate, For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter through it. Because narrow is the gate and constricted is the way that leads to life, and few are those that find it. Just trying our best really falls short of the kingdom standard, doesn't it, Ron? It falls short and it's utterly incompatible with the requirements of the kingdom. Let's join Witness Lee. Up to now, you can see nearly every aspect of our living, of our behavior, has been covered. But still one thing. That is, we the kingdom people here on this earth are what? Are doing the will of our Father. In the last section, you have uh-huh, the narrow gate to enter through. And you have the uh, constricted way to walk. And you have uh, to build up a house. And you have to do the will of the Heavenly Father. So you can see this is the conclusion of the Constitution. The Constitution's goal eventually is to usher us into the narrow gate to walk the constricted way that we may do the will of the Heavenly Father, then that we may build up a house. Now, we are taking the restricted way. Are you going to talk with brothers? Yes, you have to talk in a what? Constricted way. Are you going to appraise some of the brothers? Yes, you may do it, but you have to appraise in a constricted way. Are you going to rebuke 
the brothers, okay, you may do it, but do it in a what? Constricted way. Are you going to fellowship with the brothers? That's good. You have to fellowship in a constricted way. You know in John chapter 7, when the flesh brothers of the Lord came to him, suggesting to him, you are going to make a name, don't stay in Galilee, you better go to the capital, to Jerusalem, then you will get a name there. You know, the Lord Jesus told them, <laughs> your time is always here for you. But my time is not that convenient to me. That means what? That means he was limited. He was restricted. He was restricted. He was walking a restricted way. The kingdom people are walking a restricted way. Our way is full of restrictions, constrictions, and uh, limitations. And I don't believe any limitation is a kind of frustration. No. Rather, you have to realize the constrictions and restrictions and limitations all will speed you up. We must see these. The Lord today wants such a testimony. A testimony on the restricted way and on the constricted way that leads all of us and our works to life. Praise Him. Well, Ron, I think we really need some help if we're actually going to see this, that the restrictions and constrictions ultimately speed up our progress toward the kingdom of the heavens. How is it that these things that we most often view as impediments actually work to our benefit? We need some uh, real spiritual understanding and divine enlightenment here, uh, which come through the Word. As is commonly known, the Lord is contrasting two ways. There is a constricted way that leads to life, and there is a broad way a way without this kind of constriction that leads to destruction. And that destruction is not eternal perdition. That's destruction in the sense that our works, according to Paul's word in 1 Corinthians 3, are all brought to naught. They're all wood, hay, and stubble and are good for nothing but burning. You use the word impediment, and it's okay but we shouldn't understand impediment as something in the environment primarily. Yes, the Lord may limit us and confine us through the environment so we don't have the freedom to do what in our natural life we may be inclined to do. But the constricted way is inward. This is the narrow way, the restricted and constricted way that places us inwardly in the reality of the kingdom of the heavens under the rule of the heavenly king. So Brother Lee gave the example of speaking in fellowship. We need to speak to the brothers and sisters and share Christ with one another. But there should be some limitation, some constriction inwardly so that we do not talk beyond measure, that we do not speak without constraint. So the constricted way 
is the way of limitation imposed upon us from within by the divine life and nature that is governing us organically in an inward way. The broad way is the way that throws off any inner constraint, that doesn't even have any sense about it, that you just do whatever is right in your eyes, whatever seems fitting, whatever corresponds to your opinion. But the narrow, constricted way is the limitation that the divine life and nature impose on us. When we agree with this limitation, it brings us into a realm of life, and it enables the divine life within us to grow and to develop in a wonderful way. So the more limited, paradoxically, the more we are truly free to grow in the Lord, to live the Lord, and do the will of God. I'm glad you touched that last uh, phrase, the will of God. That's also very much in the context of these verses in chapter 7. Witnessly touched it a couple of times in his speaking. You've just alluded to it. It's the focus, really, of our last section. So let's go back to his speaking now. Then the king goes on to tell us, Not all who call him Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of the heavens. Only those, the Lord says, only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. I must stress this one thing. It is not a matter just you deal with your uh, temper, deal with your lust, deal with yourself, deal with your flesh to take care of others and to overcome anxiety and so forth. Now, it is altogether something more and more passive. The will of the Father who is in heaven. The will. Now, the kingdom people on this earth are not for anything else but for the will of the Father. We are not here just to overcome our temper. We are not here just to overcome our lust. We are not here just to overcome our self, our flesh, just to be so good, so nice, so simply to others. No. We are here doing the will of the Heavenly Father. And we are His children, and we are His sons, and He is our Father. You have to know now it is not just a matter of life, a matter of love, but a matter of the will. Our Father has a will to accomplish. And we could only accomplish His will by His life. We have to live by his life, we have to live in his life, but this kind of living is for the accomplishing of the Father's will. Now, here, just in this constitution, you cannot find out what is the Father's will. Then you better go on. From chapter 7, you go on to chapter 16. There you can see the Father's will. And the Father's will is what? Is to build the church upon the Son. The Father's will is to build the church upon the Son as the rock. Lehan, this 
is fully developed in the Acts, in the Epistles, in the book of Revelation. And in all those following books of the New Testament, it is fully developed that God's divine will, eternal will, is to build up the church. Well, Ron, as he pointed out, it would be easy to consider that these three chapters, the decree of the constitution of the kingdom, are all about dealing with our situation, uh, overcoming temper and lust, anxiety, these inward things. But the real situation being looked at, as is unveiled now, is the Father's will. What's the connection, Ron? Why so many verses seemingly focused on us if the real central thought is the will of God the Father? Let me answer by first pointing out that in the Gospel of Matthew, the will of the Father is mentioned in some very crucial places. The prayer in chapter 6, your will be done. Here in chapter 7, and we'll return to this, at the end of chapter 12, the Lord says, He who does the will of my Father, he is my brother and sister and mother. The Lord in Gethsemane prayed, Not my will, but your will be done. So there's an intrinsic connection between the kingdom of the heavens and the will. That if the Father's will is not done, then the Father's kingdom cannot come in a practical way. So this gospel is focused on the kingdom of the heavens. And doing the will of the Father is intrinsically related to the reality and manifestation of the kingdom of the heavens. So now back to Matthew 7, we see from the end of chapter 7 that we have arrived at, so to speak, our destination. We began with the matter of being poor in spirit and and pure in heart, etc. But we're heading toward the doing of the Father's will and uh, building a house, a proper work, upon the word of Christ as the rock. So now what's the connection? The Father's will requires the Father's life and nature. We cannot do the Father's will simply by learning about it, then making up our minds to do it. It is impossible for the human life to fulfill the divine will. If we would do the will of the Father mentioned in Matthew 7, then we need to have the life and nature of the Father with their development as revealed in chapters 5 and 6. So saying this point in another way, all the items mentioned previously in chapters 5 and 6 are the requirements in life organically for us to do the will of the Father. In other words, If we are not the kind of persons in the divine life and nature described in chapters 5 and 6 and the first part of 7, we're not qualified to do the will of the Father. We must be a certain kind of person with a certain kind of living. Otherwise, as the Lord's Word indicates, we may do mighty works of power, prophesy, cast out demons in the Lord's name, And then the Lord will say, you are workers of lawlessness. I don't recognize any of that. You did what you wanted to do. Even you usurped my name. You will not enter the kingdom of the heavens in the manifestation. So you took the broad way 
according to the natural life, and you did not do the will of my Father. So the Lord is saying, in essence, if we would do the Father's will, we must not only have the Father's life and nature, but we must allow the divine life and nature to develop within us, to constrict us, to govern us, and eventually to be expressed in our practical daily living, then we will have a heart to do the will of the Father, then we will delight to do the will of the Father, and then we will be able, by the Father's life and nature, to do the Father's will for the Father's glory. Ron, I want to come back and ask you a question uh, for our conclusion today. How many times I wonder in... Oh, everything from Sunday school to seminaries and schools of theology has the question been asked, how do I know the Father's will for my life? How do I know God's will? Give us a response. I would say that the key to the problem is in one of the phrases you uh, uttered at the end, for my life. This shows, frankly, a self-centered view. It doesn't mean it's wrong to ask this question in the proper context. But what about the will of God for God's life, the will of God for God's economy, for his kingdom, for his heart's desire? Revelation 4.11 indicates that the whole universe was created for God's will. The universe exists so the will of God would be carried out. In Ephesians 1, Paul talks about the mystery of God's will. And there's a very high and profound revelation of the will of God as the uh, unveiling of what God wants to accomplish in this universe. So we should first seek to know what is this great will of God, this perfect will, this highest will, this purposed will. Once we have the proper focus, which is not ourselves, and our puny situation— and our petty concerns, once we realize the focus is God and his will, and once we realize we have been born of God and have the life and nature of God and are here to do the will of the Father, then we may ask, Lord, I want my life to be in accord with this great will of yours. I want to contribute to the doing of your will. So now I ask you, With your will in view, what is your will for my life? This is the proper focus. It's another way of saying, seek the kingdom first. But if we're all concerned with getting information from God, what is your will for my life? Where should I live? Whom should I marry? Where should I go to school? What kind of car should I drive? What kind of health insurance should I get? Frankly, this is self-centered. Matthew 6 tells us not to be anxious about those things, but to seek the kingdom of God. That's to seek the will of God. Let's get clear about this from the scriptures. Then let's seek the Lord's leading concerning how our personal lives and God's plans for them fit into God's will for himself. Let's end on that point, Ron. Uh, Solid very helpful fellowship. I'm putting the age-old question really in its proper context. The will of God really is in the context of his kingdom. Amen. Amen. 
I'll pass on our toll-free number before we close today. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Of course, we invite you to call and uh, bring your questions, any comments that you might have. Also, we'd love to have an opportunity to tell you about the vast resources of material available from Living Stream Ministry on the topic of the kingdom, uh, a number of quality books in addition to the live study messages that we make available to our radio listeners that accompany this program. Uh, And again, even just to have contact with you and to get your impressions uh, or questions about the programs. Once again, the toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Of course, you can always write to us, too. We like your letters and cards. It's Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.